years, it was a blessing to meet him. And it's good to see Brother Lee and his people here and Brother Mock. And we met Brother Jacob some time ago and appreciate him and, and his wife and thank God for them and known her for many years. And I'm glad my family's able to be back with me this evening. Amen. We praise God for that. Uh, we'll be having to head out after the service tonight, heading back to Tennessee. Got a lot of things going on. We, uh, one of our ladies, she passed away today, and uh, she had had a massive stroke. She was in church with us on a Sunday morning and got up some, went home, had a massive stroke, and, and that was back in March, and it was always just a day-to-day uh, waiting and, and watching and praying, and she went on to be with the Lord and uh, I tell you, man, it seems like we're gathering up more over yonder than we have here uh, in my life. I can't speak for down here, but that's the way it's been for us. Got a lot of family that's done gone on to be with the Lord. The Lord made a believer out of me about it, your life being a vapor for a little time. Uh, when I first got saved, I wasn't saved long. That brother I was talking about that cussed me out and told me to get out of his face talking to him about the Lord, uh, he got saved about a year and a half after I got saved. But a few years later, in 2006, 2004, my mother died with cancer. She didn't live long with it, and she died from that. Then in 2006, two years later, roughly, uh, right at two years, he got hit head on by a drunk driver. Got, he drove a truck across the road for a living and got hit by a drunk driver on the way home that night and went into eternity, but he was saved by the grace of God. And just three years later, my dad died. He had a massive stroke, killed him in 2009, lost a baby back in 2010. And I tell you, God has, uh, has really let us just see that our life's but a vapor. We appear for a little time, then it vanisheth away. So I'm telling you tonight, if you're here lost, you better get saved by the grace of God. You need to be born again. You need to be washed in the blood of the Son of God. You need to come to the place where you realize and take, uh, take sides with God against yourself, realizing you're a sinner, he's right, you're wrong, and you need to repent, come under the umbrella of his protection and his safety and his salvation this evening. Uh, amen. I, I went to school with a young man, I, and I'll try to tell this, try to move on. He's always, there's good liberty up here, amen. I can always tell when there's been a lot of praying around a the pulpit, there ain't no doubt about it. But uh, went to school as a young man. We played ball together, football and baseball, growing up all of our life, growed up with him. And we was, uh, I was uh, 14 years old, and he was 15. And that summer, rolled around, he was, a, I mean, a football star in Grundy County, where we're from, uh, there in Tennessee. And uh, he was uh, 15 years old. He was around 6'2", 6'3", weighed, weighed 250, I mean, he was a man. I mean, literally a boy in a man's body. 6'2", 6'3", weighed 215, and uh, uh, all-state, brother, freshman year. I'm talking about just an anomaly, freak of an athlete. And uh, it was all-state in football, honorable mention in basketball, honorable mention in baseball. I mean, just a, just a, just a freak of an athlete. They wasn't nothing, he couldn't play, and when he did play, he excelled heavily at him. That summer, they just got through football camp. Their house caught on fire one night. You better listen to me now. I didn't plan on saying none of this. Has nothing to do with the message tonight, but I do want to mind the Lord. And uh, got through the football summer camp, football, getting ready for school to start back there in August. House caught on fire that night, and he come out the door. His dad never was around much. 
and he lived with his mom and he come out the door and I'm talking about a big, a big boy, strong, strong as a mule, I mean like a big ox and, uh, and a, good, a good boy. Got saved, they said he got saved that summer. Now I, I didn't go to church growing up but they said he got saved. So they'd been telling, been attending church faithfully, getting up the choir and singing and, uh, and the house caught on fire he come out and Jimmy Nunley was the chief of police there in Tracy City and Jimmy grabbed him when he come out. Jimmy, they know the family. Uh, was close with the family and uh, grabbed him. When Craig realized his mama did not come out, when he, he was stand, he's outside, I'm talking about this house is a raging inferno and when he realized that his mama did not come out, he tore out of Jimmy's arms. You better hear me now. He tore out of his arms and went back in and never came out alive. Are you listening to me? Died in that house. They found his body curled up in the hallway holding on to his mom. Found him in the hallway there. And I hope that ain't too graphic. I'm just telling you what happened. 15 years old and went out and met God. House caught on fire that night. Hey, you don't know when your last day's here, friend. You just don't know. I mean, we don't know when we're going to draw our last breath. My brother probably had, he stopped by, he, he got out of his truck, got put his lunchbox in the car, got in that little Dodge Stratus, headed towards Mont Eagle Mountain that night and got hit head on just two miles down the road. Amen, after he left Walmart and got hit head on by a drunk driver eating a crystal. Are you listening to me? Probably had, I mean, had no inkling, no idea that that was going to happen. 41 years old, out into eternity. And we could sit and tell of others. Your pastor could tell of others. I could tell you of many. There was a boy that he was the, uh, he, he done like all the water uh, getting and all the stuff. He was the football manager in high school. When as soon as we graduate, I mean, we hadn't been graduated a year, he's coming down the road, preacher, and he hits a ditch. All he done was barely hit a ditch. I mean, just barely hit it, but it caught him just right and popped that neck and broke his neck and went into eternity. The woman that died today is the same. That's a member of the church where I pastor. Telling you, you just don't know, do you? But just don't know. Now I'm telling you, you better make sure you are saved by the grace of God. You need to know beyond a shadow of doubt you have been born again. You say, preacher, can you know you've been born again? Listen, I, I'm not basing it on feelings, but I gotta say this now. There's no way and then that God will move on the inside of you and you not know he's there. <laughs> I'm not just telling you. I mean, nobody can live in your house where you're at and you not be aware of their presence. I tell you, he'll be there. He'll comfort you. He'll bless you. He'll help you. He'll change you along this life's way. Thank God tonight for that. He abides not only with me, but he abides in me. Hallelujah. He abides in us. We're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. I said hallelujah. He'll make a change. We bless his good name this evening. Well, I want to say this. I appreciate the room. Appreciate the meals. I don't want to overlook anything. I appreciate the fellowship. I love you, Pastor. And uh, I thank God for Brother Puckett. I, I appreciate him having us down. The Lord giving us this open door to come down here and be with you folk. But I will say this. I'll be glad to see the traffic in the rearview mirror. Somebody help me out right there. Now listen, man, don't get mad. Don't let that throw cold water on you. I'm, I'm from the hills. I'm talking about the sticks, man. I was raised up in Holler, amen. And uh, 
Son, I'm telling you, I ain't never seen people drive like they drive around here. Is anybody all right with that? I'm talking about, brother, I mean, you'll have this far, you'll be from here to this piano, and somebody will cut in on you. Y'all don't like, see, y'all's used to that. But I ain't used to that. I mean, I'm, I'm a hillbilly. Amen. Uh, amen. I just ain't used to that. I said, what is, what is going on around here? So uh, we blessed the Lord for our time. The, room's, the room was great. And the, the basket was there. Thank God my children eat that the first night we was here. And we praise God for it. And the meals was good. And we blessed the Lord. And appreciate your care for us. Appreciate these offerings. And appreciate your prayers. And thank you for praying for our wife. Uh, we've had some ups and downs over the last seven or eight years together. And, uh, and sometimes it seems like if it's not me with health issues, and I've never had nothing compared to what Wendy has with health issues. I've got a few. But my wife, she's had several major issues, and I thank y'all for praying for us, amen. Uh, we're not looking for sympathy tonight, but I do, amen, I do appeal to you to pray for us. Remember us when we leave and continue to pray for us down the road, and, and uh, amen, we're sure we'll be grateful for it. Well, Proverbs chapter number 18. Got one verse on my heart tonight. Don't know how long I'll preach. I'll try not to keep you too long, and uh, but I want to give you what's on my heart, some things we've meditated on. and God gave us this message a while back, gave it to us quite a while ago and, and put it on our heart and we preached at the church where we pastor. I'm not one to just jerk, uh, jerk a message out and preach it again because I've preached it once. I don't like doing that. I don't try to go to meetings and just find a home run message. I try to mind the Lord and preach what I feel like he wants us to preach and so on and but we've preached on these lives before, but God give us some new thoughts even yet today. And uh, I'm glad this word of God's alive. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen, I'm glad it's alive. You can't exhaust it. You, if you ever get to place, you think, because you've read it through a few times and you've been studying it, maybe even if you're a preacher and you think, well, you know, I, I'm kind of running out of material. No, you ain't running out of material. I guarantee you that just needs your eyes enlightened. We need to be like Jonathan over there when Saul gave that edict that you couldn't taste that honey. And old Jonathan stuck his rod in there and tasted that honey and his eyes was enlightened. Yeah. Thy words, oh, thy words. I tell you, they, they're a, light, a lamp in our feet and a light in our path and they'll enlighten the eyes. Thank God for our Bible tonight. Hey man, I don't know what I'd do without my Bible. And I, wanna, I gotta go back. I knew, I knew I left something off. God's brought me full circle. I said, I said uh, you could, as far as being saved, there's no way I think you can be saved not know that God's in there, that he's, that he's in there. That, amen, you're, you're gonna know he's in there. But I will say this tonight, amen, my salvation, when I examine my own life, I, I, I go to 1 John, and I'm sure you've heard this plenty of times, but the word know, K-N-O-W, is in the 1 John, five chapters, 27 times. That, then he, that book, you examine your life with that uh, little short letter and that, that letter itself is sufficient. Amen. These things are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know Amen. that you have eternal life. You can compare your life. Do you love, do you love, do you love your enemies? Do you, do you love the brethren? Now, we can't love people in ourselves. I understand that. I'll be honest. There's some people I find it difficult to love, and some people finally, probably find it difficult to love me. But through the power of the Holy Ghost of God, we can love people, brother. I mean, what is your view of sin since you have professed Christ 
as your Savior? What's your view of the world since you have professed to know Christ? He said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, he abideth forever. Hallelujah. Bless his name. I'm glad I see the world through a different view tonight since I got saved by the grace of God. I'm glad, thank God, we can love one another and that only comes by knowing God. Amen. Our view of sin and how, how we see it is it's, uh, it's ugly and, and wretched and corrupt and, and we desire to flee from it. We may see it, but I tell you, I'm not happy with my sin. I'm not comfortable in my sin. I don't want to sin. I do not want to sin. I don't want to sin. I'm miserable when I sin. God won't let me even entertain the thought of sin without making me miserable and uncomfortable. Are you listening to me? Can't even entertain the thought of it without knowing it's drastically wrong. A reproach unto God. I'm glad he's in there, hallelujah. And he's in there to stay. And where I'm from, they'll say, well, uh, till you commit some sin or, or something, this and that, but I'm telling you, he's in there to stay. And I'm not, I'm not promoting that you ought to sin tonight, not in the least, you ought to flee from it. You ought to flee from idolatry, you ought to flee fornication, and you ought to flee youthful, youthful lust. Paul told us those things. Flee these things. Be like Joseph. Have, have some integrity in your life that when, amen, Potiphar's wife is throwing herself at you, that you run out the door. Run from sin, run from sin, run from sin, run from it. It'll ruin your life. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished. Does one thing, it bringeth forth death. It'll ruin you and wreck your life. Sin. I know it has an appeal to it. I understand that. I know it has an appeal to it. I understand that. I'm telling you, flee from it as a serpent. Flee from it as a serpent. As a, I mean, flee as though you're fleeing for your very life. Because it may be your very life. I'm telling you. Amen, you're a child of God. God does not let his children sin successfully. God does not let his people sin successfully. There's chastening involved. And if you don't yield to that chastening, I tell you, you'll probably go to the grave early. You say, ain't no big deal, I'm still going to heaven. Why would you want to leave early? Why would you not want to fulfill God's plan for your life and follow through with his purpose for the, your days that he has charted out for you? Why would you not want God to use you to the fullest capacity of your life? I mean, you've only got one life. That's all you have. Let God have it and live right and flee from sin. Flee from sin, run from it, get away from it. Get away from it. I'm telling you, run from it tonight. Fornication and adultery and gossip and slander and bitterness and jealousy and hatred and envy and variance and strife, run from them. 
We can have the right haircut. We can have the right Bible. We can dress right. We can have the right suit, the right dress. You can have all that. You can be in the right church. And I'm telling you, you can hide a lot of things, but God knows it's there. God knows it's there. God help us to flee from iniquity. He's called us unto holiness. He's called us unto holiness. Be you holy. I, boy, I tell you, I got to think about this a while back, Brother Lee, and it's bigger than I can comprehend. I'm telling you, I got to really think about it, and I said, man, how many things that may linger in my life that are not holy that I need to get away? I mean, just get away. I mean, just something kind of out there, out there on the bubble, on the fringe somewhere. I'm not talking about just doping and drinking and pill popping. and th- I'm just talking about things that get displeasing to God that draws you away. I mean, just pleasures of the world, cares of this life, things that ain't helping you grow spiritually at all. I'm talking about it may not be a sin, but it may be a weight in your life that's impeding your progress as a child of God. Slowing you down from being what God wants you to be. We was talking about it lunch today, and y'all probably heard this saying, and, and the old preachers used to talk about how many people, amen, have God in their life as a, as a resident, but not president. Are you listening to me? He lives there, but you're, 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 you've got him shut off in areas of your life. Man, I want to preach this text so bad, but I'm telling you, God, help me tonight. Listen to me. Listen to me, friend. Oh, and we shut him off, and we might, we might give, and that ain't a problem. But what about with that, that mother-in-law or that daddy-in-law or that, that in-law? Amen, that you despise that in your heart and there's bitterness in you and you're harboring bitterness and really it's poisoning you. Bitterness will poison the vessel that carries it. You ain't hurting nobody else with your unforgiveness. It's you, it's killing. It's you, it's eating alive. I don't know, but I want to get to this, but is it all right if I mind the Lord? Listen to me. I know what it's like to be run down and lied on and, and people just wear you out. I want to be real careful now. I don't know if this is online and I, 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 I don't need more enemies than what I got already. You listen to me? Son, God, help us. I've got more since I've been saved than I did when I was lost. And the places I used to go and the things I used to do, it's unreal. The religious crowd. But when I first made a choice to become an independent Baptist by the good grace of God and follow this book and not man, are you listening to me? Preacher, I mean, it seemed like, man, God, help me. I mean, a lot of people turned on us in our community. Now, I'm going somewhere. I'm not up here just storytelling, but I'm talking about a lot of old men that I preached for a bunch turned on us. Now, they would accept, they would accept Baptist preachers if you never come out from it. But once you was in that, and you, then you come out, son, I tell you, they'd run you out on a rail. Tar and feather if they thought they'd get away with it, some of them. I know what it's like to have my name, my name called over a radio. Are you listening to me? The local radio, I know what it's not. not there's no guesswork, Andy Lockhart. He's a heretic. I heard that. I know what it's like when my mama's laying there and listen now, you start talking about mama, brother, you got troubles. That'll bring out the worst in any man. Are you listening to me? <laughs> That'll push your butt. But I know what it's like when your mama's dying of cancer 
and one of the local pastors that pastors 250 people gets on a radio, calls your name out. You, I know what it's like when my older brother went and called him that Sunday after church and said, brother, listen, our mama's dying of cancer. Can you leave us alone till she dies? And when she dies, you can say whatever you want to about us. Is anybody, is everybody okay right here? I know what that's, and I know what it's like. I had to go through that. You talking about make you bitter. And you need to talk about it next Sunday when it's my turn to get on the radio. Here we go. But you, Charles Spurgeon was right when he said about the man that slings mud does two things. He keeps dirty hands and he loses ground. Are you listening? He does two things. Maybe three or four. I don't know, but he does two for sure. He loses ground and he keeps dirty hands. Took me, it took me a while to finally get past that. Took me a while. And I'm telling you, God, one day in, the, in my prayer place, after, we, after Mount Zion, after we'd left Brother Frazier's and went out and planted that church with his blessings, Brother Frazier's my pastor. I want you to understand what I'm saying tonight. He sent us out to start a work in our home county. They ordained us, sent us out. We started to work by the grace of God. I didn't inherit a work. I didn't have something dumped in my lap. I'm, start, I'm talking about starting from scratch. Me, my wife, and my brother, three charter members. Every book I ever read about starting a church said you better not start none, uh, a church without five families. Well, we, we, I didn't follow the book. But the book wasn't the Bible. Are you listening to me? I didn't follow the book, but I did follow the Bible. And I followed God's will for my life. God's blessed, he's gave a steady increase through the years, I, you know, and God, to God be all the glory for all those things. But I was sitting there one day in the, in the church house, we'd been praying and, and God gave us 11 acres of land. I was sharing it with Brother Tiny and Brother Puckett today at lunch that uh, just a long story short, I'd like to tell you the whole story one of these days, but y'all ain't got enough time tonight. And uh, the, the man that gave us the 11 acres wound up the church he was a member of down in Florida, but he had a property up in Tennessee and he, whenever he'd come up to Tennessee, he'd come by and visit our church and, and, and go to church with us. He said, man, I ain't been in church like this in years. He said, this is what I growed up on. I mean, it was addictive. I mean, he loved it. He'd come, to, he'd come to Tennessee just three or four times a year just to be in church with us and to God be the glory for all that. To God be the glory, I said, for every bit of it. Ain't nothing about us, it's all about God and what he's doing and what he's done and how he's working in hearts. That church gave us $100,000 to help us start work on, that, on, on, that, on that, our new building. Give us $100,000. I mean, we just seen the hand of God just blessing and blessing. So I'm in there, we got out of the storefront, got in the building, paid off. We paid it off in three years. and never borrowed, God never did tell me to borrow no money on his work. And we paid it off in three years. We went on about our business. But I was in that building praying one day. And I'm telling you, it's just like God said, you remember when they run you down and they talked about you? And you remember when they pushed you out? You remember when they pushed you out? They kept you pushed out. Now, I wasn't looking to go back. Don't misunderstand me. Wasn't looking to go back and fellowship and, and have somebody sit there and tell me I could be saved and lost in a service. I'm not interested in sitting under that. Not going to sit under it. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to go somewhere around here the truth. Amen. And the Bible rightly divided. Right. 
And I sat there and all of a sudden it got so clear and I started, I was able through the power of the Holy Ghost to start thanking God for all the things that ever said. Thank God for all the troubles. Thank God for all the trials. Thank God for every hardship. Thank God for every, every circumstance that we hit head on and everything that went in our lives. And I tell you, he lifted that burden and it's never come back. Hallelujah. Thank God tonight. I say it's never come back. It's not even there tonight, hallelujah. Harboring unforgiveness and bitterness, eating me alive, trying to pastor, trying to preach, just in a mess. And God was gracious enough to bless us anyhow, preach. I mean, he's just that, he's just that good of a God. He's just that righteous of a God. He's just that holy of a God. He's just that compassionate of a God. He's just that caring of a God that he would still have mercy and bless us despite our failures. He's just a good God, hallelujah. He's a good God. But you can hide that stuff sometimes. No what your full love will come out of you, there ain't no doubt about it. And this water bottle tonight is pretty much full of water, but you rattle it just a hair. You barely shake it up, and what's inside of it's gonna splatter out everywhere. For out of abundance of heart. That's what he said, eh? So what's inside of you will come spewing forth. It'll come, you just get rattled, just shook, just a hair, and what, what's topped off in there is what you hear. That's the topic of conversation. Amen. You say, I ain't got no problem with somebody. Why is it every time their name's mentioned, you're negative? Come on. I don't know if I'm preaching or meddling. Amen. <laughs> Why is it every time certain people's names mentioned, you're negative? Because you've got a problem. I'm glad the Lord, I'm not trying to throw you on the bus. I, I, I'm telling you, I know. I know, what it's, I know what it's like when you're trying to do right and, and, and uh, everybody comes, and I'm not, hey, I'm not bellyaching. That's just, that's the way of the cross, brother. Jesus never did tell me it was gonna be smooth sailing. And he never did tell me it was gonna be an easy trip. He never did tell me I wasn't gonna have a hardship. And he never did tell me I wasn't gonna have a trial. But he did tell me, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, you know, the live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And it may not be physical, it may be a lie. It may be a tongue lashing. It may be gossip. It may be slander. I'm telling you, you can overcome it through him. Hallelujah. You can overcome it through him, but not in yourself. You don't have it. I don't have it. We don't have enough inside of us as far as our Adamic nature to overcome those things. You ain't got it and I ain't got it. If we ever overcome it, it'll be the power of God that helps us overcome it. To God be all the glory for everything that's ever been done. Hallelujah. I want to say something, and I was going to, I'm going to read this text, and I know this is unusual. I, 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 I hope I ain't. Man, listen. Proverbs 18, 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, I'm going to try to close as fast as possible, and I don't know how fast that'll be. Amen. Whenever God lets me get done and says, you're done, get out, get out of the way, get out of their hair, 
Amen. I'll be out of your hair. <laughs> By the good grace of God. <laughs> Amen. I'll get away from your head. Amen. <laughs> there is a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. And I, I realize the writer of this, of this Proverbs, and I know who he is. And I realize when you think about a verse of scripture like this, that you wouldn't think about Ahab and you wouldn't think about Jezebel. You ain't gonna think about Cain. You're not, you're not gonna think about Herod or Pontius Pilate. None of those people are gonna come to mind when you look at a verse of scripture like this. And if you're in the days of Solomon, Absalom, Paul, Absalom's not coming to mind. Jonadab certainly is not coming to mind. Amnon's not coming to mind. And uh, you can look back over your shoulder and you can say, well, Pharaoh's not who he's talking about. And you can look and survey all the predecessors of Solomon and you would have to declare he talks of none of these that I just mentioned a moment ago. And if you want to look at it from a, from a human perspective or, or maybe a, a righteous man's perspective or someone that is saved and trying to do right, I really don't think he's talking about his dad in this portion of Scripture. I really don't think he's talking about Nathan or Gad or one of those other prophets, one of those old great men of God, amen, that preached without fear or favor, not even is even as great as he was. And he's one of my favorites. Ahab said he don't say nothing good about me. They wasn't nothing good to say about him. Are you listening to me? He said, I hate him. Jehoshaphat come down there and join the league and an affinity with Ahab and Jehoshaphat knowing the ways of God and the word of God. He sat here and he's watching all this hoopla and all this show and all this entertainment and he looks over and he said, is there a man of God around here? Is there a man of God anywhere around here? And Ahab spoke up and said, there's one that's all it takes. Thank God you be that one. You just stand in that gap and make up that hedge. You make sure you're that one. You may not have another company along this way, but be that one. He said, there's one. That's all God needs is one, but he'd probably like to have more than one. He said, I hate it. Never says nothing good about it. I don't think Solomon's thinking about him either. So preacher, who in the world is he talking about? I think he's talking about none other than our Lord and our Savior. Now, you're, I don't want to take too much liberty in any portion of Scripture, but I tell you, I, I, I can only think of one that sticketh closer than a brother. I can really only think of one tonight that would probably fit this description, and that's our blessed Lord. Now, I know, I know you've had revival this week. It's a revival meeting, and we want to see God move, and we want to see God do some things, but listen to me. I think about this a lot, and I'm no, I'm no expert on revival, but I have about draw this conclusion. Me and my wife talked about it many, many times. Me and some of the young men, preacher boys around church, where I pastor, we've talked about it several times, and I said, we're always preaching do and don't, and I'm for the do's and don'ts in their proper place. But I tell you one thing, if we could ever get up close to God where we need to be, that'll take care of every do and don't in your life. You say, man, I wanna be, I wanna be the, t I need, uh, brother preacher, I'd like to be a, a spirit-filled wife. Fall in love with God, get close to him, submit your life to him, and you'll be a spirit-filled wife. I'm just telling you. 
and we could preach the hows and the don'ts and we could approach it from all these other places. But I'm telling you, I am convinced in my heart, preacher, this is it. Just let God have his way and you'll be what you just naturally. Did he not say, let your light so shine? He didn't say you had to force your light. He didn't say you had to make your light. He didn't say you had to twist your light. He said, if you'll just be what you're supposed to be and you'll be what you're born to be in the family of God through your second birth, if you'll just be that, then your light will shine. It can't help but shine. And it don't glorify us, it glorifies him. Somebody said, boy, I'd like to be the type of husband I need to be. And I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you. If you're gonna be the type of husband, if I'm gonna be the type of husband, God has got to be number one in my life. But Jacob, he's gotta be it. I mean, he's, got, he's gotta be the center. It's gotta be him in the center and everything's revolving around him. But sometimes we get him all out of the center, we put ourselves in the center, and all of a sudden everything's revolving around us. Or maybe we put, put our, pull him out and maybe we put our kids there. Well, preacher, I'd be at church. We got little league. I'd be at revival. We got ball practice tonight. Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. So you're gonna put your children on an altar of sacrifice over ball. It got quiet in here. Y'all ain't saying amen like you was a minute ago. I mean, you're gonna put your children on the altar of sacrifice because it's deer season and, and they're going into rut this coming Sunday and you gotta go out and try to kill one before church on Sunday morning. Well, that's my only day off. Listen, God's more important than your deer. I like the deer hunt, I like turkey hunt, but I'll tell you, that's not more important to me than God is. I'd be a fool to trade God off for such a meager fire. I'd be a fool to trade God off for some temporary, temporal enjoyment. I tell you, he said, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God said, what you need, he said, I put a surplus in your life. What you stand in need of, I put an addition in your life. I'll add to your life. I'll add to it. How can we, with such a friend as this, neglect it? I was reading over there in Jeremiah chapter 14, verse number eight, and, and God was talking, and he was talking about all the blessings and how Israel ignored him, and how Israel had rebelled against him, and they'd shunned him, and all these things, and he said, you know, in fact, I'm just paraphrasing, forgive me, but he talked about being like a stranger in the land, God. Or being a wayfaring man passing through for the night. And I tell you, God, our relationship with him tonight needs nurtured. It needs, it needs protected. It needs fed. Listen, this is not just a get out of hell free card that we're, we're experiencing on salvation. We entered into a union. We entered in, thank God, to a relationship. <laughs> That's a relationship tonight. Bless his good name. I say it's a relationship that you and I entered into as part of the chaste virgin, the bride of Christ. Thank God it's a union this evening. Part of his body, of his bones, and of his flesh. And I tell you, he deserves our best. He don't deserve, amen, second, third, and fourth best. He deserves the best this evening. He deserves the best we have. You say, you're trying to raise the bar too high. Why would I want to lower the bar? 
bar's done low enough. We don't need to try to lower it and make excuse for our flesh. Sometimes I hear preachers make so many excuses it makes me sick at my stomach. You explain to me how a man can live so holy and close to God and walk with God in such a way without a complete Bible as the prophet Daniel, because when they went to dig up dirt on him, they couldn't find anything. Couldn't find nothing. They said, man, the only thing we can find, he's praying to a God. That's all we we got, boys. He's a man of prayer. So they they went over and leaned on the king a little bit, and he, he passed his little decree. And God superseded his decree and brought him out. And you know why God brought him out? Because when he was a young lad, he purposed in his heart. He just made up, there's one day, there's come a time, and this could be yours this week. There's just come a time, he just made up his mind. You know, we've been, we've been pulled down here into captivity. We've been pulled down here into slavery. They've pulled us down here. I don't know where's, where's his people, where's his family preacher? Where, 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 are, where is everybody? Ripped out of his life. Everything seems like it could be against a young man's against him. Are you listening to me? But he said, I am not going to eat that king's meat. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to drink that. I'm just not going to do it. I don't care if everybody joins me or not. I don't care if everybody's on the wagon with me or not. I don't care if it's the most popular thing to do or not. This is, I've made up my mind. I purposed in my heart. Then I purposed in my heart. I've got my mind made up. I've got my mind made up. I've got my mind made up. And God's people need to make their mind up. How long halt we between two opinions? Jacob, Reuben was unstable as water. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And he said, let not, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I want to preach on this friend tonight. Maybe we've tried to get to him. And I don't want to preach you to death. And I feel like God's pretty much about done. But I tell you, he's a fabulous friend. He's a first-rate friend. He's a faithful friend. He's a friend worth following. And I tell you, if you want to have revival in your life, it's just right between you and him. That's just where it lies. It's all about you and him. How close you want to be. Do you want, do you want to be close? God's not, I said it here Wednesday night. God's not trying to keep you arm length away. I mean, I've got a stack of notes, brother. A nice little pretty alliterated outline, but God ain't interested in my outline. I say, now you listen to it. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Son, he'll stick with you when nobody. Why would you, why would you shortchange such a friend? Why would you go through all day with such a friend and never speak to him? Why would you go through an entire 24-hour period and, and never read what your friend, never find what does he want to say to me? Why would we jeopardize? Why would we sell? I mean, our birthright for such a meager pot, a, a, a pot, a, a bowl of pottage, a, a, a fire like that. Why would we gamble with such a birthright that you and I have tonight and sell God out so cheap? He's worthy of our life. 
Him. He's everything that I may win Christ. What does He mean to you? You'll find out what He means to people when it's prayer meeting night. It may not be like that in Georgia, but I find out all the time in Tennessee what he's worth. And have a singing, and the building will overflow, and I'll call for a prayer meeting, and there won't be five of us there. You listening to me? You say, yeah, but you're being too hard on them, Barry, but I ain't when they're out there clowning around and goofing off. And it's something's bigger than God's economy to them. Every single time you have prayer, I know we don't shout on that kind of stuff, but it's the truth. I'm going to tell you how I was trained, brother, and I'm going to try to shut up and get out of the way. I got saved by the grace of God, April 12, 1998. And there was a preacher in that church, and his brother was a deacon. And this is what they told me, Brother Lee. They said, we pray here on Tuesday. I'm not talking about church on Wednesday. I said, but it's prayer on Tuesdays. They said, we pray here on Tuesday nights. You need to come be with us. Well, I just got saved. I thought I was, I was supposed to do what they told me. Yeah. I mean, they're my elders. They're looking out for my benefit and my, my welfare, and my best interest. Do you know what I done? I started going to prayer on Tuesday night. Then they got to where we was having one Friday, one Friday a month. It's all night prayer. Come in, get a little sheet, pray 12 hours, seven to seven. You sign up, take an hour, you read your Bible and pray. And, and you know what happened? Those two men pulled me aside again. Said, hey, Hey, boy, we have prayer around here on uh, all night prayer. You need to find you an hour and sign up on one. And me being a lot younger than the rest of that crowd sitting there, I said, well, I'll pick that two or three o'clock time. I'm not going to make grandma come in at three and me come in at six. Come on now, don't die on me. We was taught some semblance of respect when I was growing up. You know, you open the door for the older and you, you don't speak when the older's talking and all those good things. Amen. I feel like I'm probably ought to preach there about 10 minutes, but I got to go on. I got to get back to Tennessee tonight. They <laughs> said, your family's lost, ain't they? I said, yeah, yeah, my mom and dad's lost. They said, you need to start missing meals for them. I said, missing meals? What are you talking about? They said, fasting. I said, you need to start fasting for your mom and dad. You don't want them to go to hell. They said, you start missing meals, God will get on their trail. And he did, and they got saved. About two months. Now, I'm not telling you it's going to be that fast for you, but they got saved about two months after I got saved, mom and daddy both. Everything those men tried to guide me and instruct me, I tried to listen to them. I've not been perfect. I'm not trying to tell you that. But I tell you, it just help, it helps establish in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he mean to you? What is he to you? Just a scapegoat? Just a way to get out. Greater love, he said, hath no man than this. Then a man lay down his life. For who? His friends. Jesus said, now, if you was my servants, I wouldn't have told you this over in John 15. He said, but since you're my friends, I'm going to let you in on some stuff. Yep. Ain't that a blessing? So I'll just let you be my, my friend as close as I want you to be my friend. And outside of that, I start putting walls up. Somebody help me out. You're the same way. You're the same way. But you find a friend that's sticking closer than brother, you can tell him anything and he won't run and tell it. Amen. You can tell him anything. And I mean, he'll share you. You know what a real friend will do? He'll share your burdens. Amen. A real friend. I found Brother Frazier's a real friend. I'm going to give you a human example. 
When my wife was laying over dying of sepsis shock, that preacher would come into that room in that ICU unit. Wendy sitting there on life support and blood pressure 200 over 120 and her heart running about 30 and 40. I'm telling you the truth. They come in there twice trying to hit her with paddles while I woke me up twice. They make that coming in there on the room on us. That preacher would come in there, brother, and this is what he'd do. I'd never, he'd get down on the floor in his suit. He'd get down on his knees and up the floor and lay before God and beg God to raise my wife up. And she's sitting back yonder. That's a friend. That's a friend. There's been stuff I've had to confide in that preacher about and talk to him and, and get counsel and wisdom. As far as I know, he's never run and told a soul. That's a friend. And I'm telling you, Jesus is that and that much more. Jesus is all that and that much more. I gotta give you this. Hebrews talk about being secured or suckered when we're tempted. And I was, to, I was gonna preach on it. I had it in my notes and I wanna try to, I just wanna mind the Lord, but here he is and David's an older man and he's not as spry as he once was and, and as energetic and athletic and, and as strong and as stout and, and he's, he's over there and Ishbi Benob has showed up and he's fixing to kill David. And the Bible said that Abishai suckered David, if I'm pronouncing it right, you may know how to say it better than I do, suckered or suckered him. Y'all may know more about that word. But I do know what it means. I do know the definition. It means to come alongside of one's aid. Oh my. Oh my. It means to come alongside of one's aid when called for. And I tell you how many times have you called out to him and he come running to your side. Our heavenly Abishai come right to where we was when we called on him. What a friend. What a friend. Say, man, I want revival so bad. Preacher, I can taste it. Draw close to your friend. Keep your friend. Keep the right perspective of your friend. Amen. Listen to him. Keep the right relationship boiling hot with your friend. Seek your friend. Call upon your friend. Learn of your friend. Learn. Hey, you know what friends do? Now, you may not do this when you're young and immature, but as you get older, when you're a friend to somebody, sometimes they'll be interested in things that you may not be just that greatly interested in, but you'll listen, you'll listen to them anyhow. But I want to say this, we ought to be interested in this. And I'll tell you what a friend will do. A friend will, a friend will probably start trying to find out what makes their friend tick. See, a real friend, you might say, man, what, you, you have your wife ask his wife, say, what's he, what's he like, what's his hobby? I'm gonna give him a little Christmas gift. You start inquiring what he likes. I tell you, a real friend, if we wanna be a friend to him like he is to us, I tell you, we ought to get interested in what, what makes him pleased. What, what the burden of his heart is. What the yearning of God's will is. If we want to be a friend to him like he is to us. He's a good God, ain't he? I probably bombed this, but I'm telling you, he's a good God. And he's all men you need. We're short timers here anyhow. I know, I, I know as far as I know, I, I ain't, I not got to, you know, I, I'm not dying. <laughs> well, I've got a pretty fire bell of health tonight as far as I understand but it really don't matter. 51 years has been a blur. 
I, I mean, they went by so fast, and you that's older than me tonight, you say, boy, you don't, you'd call me a boy. You say, young man, and I don't feel like a young man, but you say, young man, you don't, you don't, you don't even have a clue. Wait till you're 80 and see how fast it goes. Our God was right, wouldn't he? He was right when he said it's but a vapor. Take you one life, you God, that God's blessed you with. Look how good God's been to us. Look how good he's been to us. Good night, brother. How could I ever complain? Why would I murmur? I ought to be in hell with my back broke, doused in gasoline. And God one day reached out of heaven. Spirit of God would come by my way and said, you're lost, but I'll save you. You're lost, but I'll save you. That Sunday morning I got saved. I got to say this for somebody that's sitting here lost because somebody needs to be born again. You're, you're missing out on the best friend you could ever have. And uh, I said, man, I turned, my li- I turned my back on my old life. I'm telling you. Son, that's repent. I turned my back on it, preacher. I said, I don't want this life no more. I don't want it. And when I stepped out of the pew, you can disagree with me if you want to, but when my heart turned towards him, I believe I was saved before I ever got near the front of the building. Now you can believe that, it don't matter to me. My heart was calling on him. I'd believed in my heart. I'd stepped out towards God and he received me just like I was. I never made it to an altar. The, the, the altars, preacher, I said, if I ever get saved, I'll get saved on one of them uh, Wednesday nights when there's about 30 there. 180 people sitting there that morning in that church. God hung me out over hell. And I, Wendy looked over at me and she said, hey, what's wrong with you? And I couldn't even answer. And she said, do you want to go pray? That's the last thing I need to hear. I was out of there, buddy. I, was out of, I said, I was out of there. Son, I peeled out. That's all I need to hear. Do you want to go pray? And God saved me and changed my life. Now, it may not be exciting for you tonight, but it's pretty exciting for this old boy. I don't know a whole lot of things, but I do know this. Thank God I passed from death unto life because I love the brethren, hallelujah. I love him because he first loved me. And I've been made a new creature in Christ. And I picked up that day the very best friend anybody could ever have, a friend. So what are you preaching on a friend that I highly recommend? A friend that I highly recommend. Preacher, I'm done, that's it, that's good. That's it. Thank you. God bless you.